Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard. Got a busy show for you today. All basketball for all hour long. Should be a fun one here with us. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Syracuse and Colgate doing battle inside the Carrier Dome at 2 o'clock on this Saturday afternoon. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz Facebook at Orange Fizz as well. Find us on SoundCloud and iTunes for all the latest audio content, including Fizz Radio episodes like this. You can get all our FizzCast podcasts and exclusive interviews and more. And then, as always, check out all of our great web content online at orangefizz.net. Well, Tim, Syracuse basketball, 7-1 and one to start this season. So far, so good. We'll recap the UConn game, look ahead to the rest of the non-conference slate, and play a little game as well. A lot of Syracuse players thriving statistically will delve into whether or not that's going to be sustainable moving forward. And as always, we'll wrap things up with our favorite segment, Fizz Feedback, where we take your responses from polls, tweets, and all that good stuff and evaluate that moving forward. All right, so... MSG, we got a little renewal of the old Big East rivalry. Always brings out the fans. That's always a lot of fun down there in the Big Apple. But 72-63, to Syracuse wins this game. It's single digits, but it felt like so much more. Yeah, I felt like they were in control completely from the start. And I think the biggest takeaway in this game, it's pretty easy. It's Matt Moyer. Just the way he played compared to how he was playing really was in the doghouse going into that game. And... I don't know what changed, whether it was the Big Apple and the bright lights, but to put up 18 points, a career high, and had that big putback dunk at the end of the second half. Yeah, Yeah. had a couple. One of them was on SportsCenter Top 10, so just an all-around. And he vouched for himself. Did you see he was vouching for himself, too? Yeah, of course he was. He's he's out there, man. Yeah, He's really out there. He loves that spotlight. Yeah, he's taking advantage of his time in the limelight, which he should. I mean, great game for him, and it's really good to see because – At one point, you know, in this season, after four or five games, it looked like he was pretty much a non-factor on the offensive end. And even going back to that Kansas game, he didn't shoot the ball once. And it's it was hard to imagine where he was going to get his offense. But you know he has energy. You know he's a good rebounder. And maybe that will bring up some more confidence and will carry forward for the rest of this non-conference slate and then into ACC play when they really need him. You know, the thing about Matthew Moyer with me is that it always seems like he's having some type of out-of-body experience. Yeah. Like he is not play- he has he did not have control of his body at times and right out of the gate I want to say it was like the second or third possession of the game. He gets that traveling call and I'm like, "Oh no." Yep. Here, Here we, we go, go again. again. And, yeah. he, and he was about to get yanked, I think, too. So it looked like vintage Matt Moyer. This is just another Maddie game we're having right now. But then he hits the three, and I'm thinking, oh, man, that's the worst thing that can happen. Now he's got <laughs> yeah. confidence, right? and he hits. I think that was his first three-pointer of the season, too. Yeah. But now you're going to give him confidence, and then he has the put-back dunk. He keeps making a couple of other nice hustle plays out there offensively. I mean, that was a complete 180 Matt Moyer. This was the guy who was the top 100 recruit a couple of years ago that you brought in, and Really, this is what you're going to need out of a guy like Moyer. You're going to need confidence, but not irrational confidence, because I think he's had a little bit of that, especially we see this out of halftime a lot, where 
first time he touches the ball after seemingly being benched for the entire first half is once he gets his hands on that basketball, he does something stupid. He'll right. try to do everything himself and do too much offensively, and that's when he gets burned, turns the ball over, travels, and all that. It's a lot like Frank Howard last oh, year, yeah. I feel like. He just seemed to be pressing, and you can't really blame him because once you're in that doghouse with Jim Beheim, it's one mistake, and you're yanked immediately, and then you're getting a stern talking to on the bench. And with Frank Howard last year, it's it's just tough to play like that when you've got that imminent possibility and the threat of constantly being pulled at a moment's notice. So good to see him actually not press right away. And and like you said, he got some confidence. It wasn't irrational, and he was pumped up and ready to go from the beginning. And and they really do need him because when you look at this offense right now, you've got Tyus Battle, and he's been as advertised, really even better than oh, advertised yeah. so far. Second in the ACC in scoring as of right now and averaging over 20 points a game. So he's doing his part, but they need other scores because this SU team just doesn't have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, and they won't at the end of the year. But if you've got guys like Matt Moyer stepping up, that makes things a lot easier once ACC play rolls around. And I think, yeah, you're going to need all the bodies, especially now that Geno Thorpe's gone. We'll touch on that in a second. That is just a crazy development, and we'll hit on that in our next segment. But you're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Also find all of our latest content, including this Fizz Radio episode in its entirety on iTunes by searching Orange Fizz. And be sure to give us a nice subscribe as well. Now, you bring up Matt Moyer, but I want to talk about another forward, and it's O'Shea Brissett. I mean, this guy's playing out of his mind, and people were saying, oh, what's he going to bring? He he seemed a lot more talented than he was g- being given credit yeah. for during his recruitment process. I think there's no doubt about that. But he has just been playing like the second-best freshman in the ACC because, I mean, no one's going to top Marvin Bagley because not only is Marvin Bagley the best freshman in the ACC, he might be the best player in the conference. He might be the best player in the country right now. Yeah. But— what O'Shea Brissett's bringing to the table right now, and he's being asked to do a lot early on. You're looking, he's already logged a couple of full games. He had 38 minutes against UConn. I mean, this guy was all over the place. And I think the big thing about him was that it doesn't matter what role you're going to thrust him in, he was always answering the call. And I think the, the most important part of his game in this one, and it was a good one, another double-double for him, 16 points, 10 rebounds, but zero turnovers. And that's huge because Frank Howard turned the ball over nine times for you. Yeah, and he could average a double-double when it's all said and done. He's very close to it right now. Yeah, 9.8 rebounds right now leading the team. That's been really impressive. But what I like about O'Shea is he's not really shooting the lights out of the ball or he's not been overly efficient, but he's still being aggressive. He's still going to the basket, and Syracuse needs that, obviously, because like I just touched on, they don't have a ton of options in terms of creating your own shot. So that's been great to see. As a freshman, he hasn't backed down from the spotlight at all, and even when he starts out slow, he's had a you know tradition of starting out kind of slow in games, but that hasn't bothered him, and he's still been a factor in the second half in every single game. And O'Shea Brissett, I mean, this guy's going to land on the all-ACC rookie team. I don't think there's any doubt about that now. And I expect a lot of his play to actually carry over quite well into ACC play. Just you look at his frame, he's, what, six foot eight, But he plays like, especially on rebounds, yeah. he plays like he's, what, seven foot? He's because the way he goes up, rebounds, yeah, he, yeah. and he can pull that ball down. He's strong, and this is just not a freshman, no. it seems like. And yes, he does make uh, some questionable mistakes here or there, but what, what the stuff he does 
Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, he's he's a special freshman, and I talked about this with Jonathan Hoppy on the podcast after the Maryland game, uh, which you can check out on our SoundCloud page at Orange Fizz, but I think there's a real chance he goes one and done. Yeah. And you look at what he's bringing to the table so far early on, and I think that three-point shot's going to come around. It might be a little bit of the dome vision to yeah, me. Yeah, that's true. You saw him go out against... Kansas, and he knocks down his first two threes of the game. Right. He's got a very nice touch He's got a very nice stroke. Good stroke. It seems like he can hit from the mid-range area, so back it up a couple feet, and that shouldn't be a problem moving forward. And I know a lot of teams are going to— like If O'Shea Brissett can end this season shooting 35 to 37% from three, I think there's no doubt he's gone. Yeah, and that's crazy to think because you just, you know, going into this, it was so much buzz around the recruiting class in, in a negative light and no top 100 guys. And obviously everyone knew that O'Shea was the best guy, but the fact that he we're sitting here, you know, four or five weeks into the season talking about him potentially going one and done, and it is a real possibility at this point. So maybe if you're a Syracuse fan, you wish that he brings those numbers down a little bit. Uh, one more thing I want to hit on before we go to break is... The whole situation, and it kind of relates back to Geno Thorpe, but not really. It, this is a shorthanded team now. Only eight guys with scholarships, and you're really only playing seven because it seems like Howard Washington isn't going to get into games. So you've got at the five position, Barama Sidibe and Pascal Chukwu. Now, Barama Sidibe is hurt. Yeah. He is very injured right now. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but that ankle, as Jim Beheim alluded to, is that that's flaring up. He says the knee's a little better, which is a good sign for all these big men. But Pascal Chukwu, he, he's going to hack a lot, and this isn't going to be his last foul out of the season. He goes out with about seven minutes left in that game. You're forced to play Mark Dolezal at the five. Have that. Yeah, that's not going to fly in ACC play. No. I'm sorry. You got seven-foot beasts like Marvin Bagley. You look at all the centers around the ACC. There's a lot of talent. Ben Lammers at Georgia Tech comes to mind, of course. And then even some of the smaller big guys like Bonzi Colson. They'll still I mean, push Mark around. <laughs> yeah, Mark Dolajai, they say he's 180 pounds, but he's like 180 soaking wet and maybe with the entire weight of the pool with him as well. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, Bonzi Colson's just going to boss around a guy like Marek Dolezal in the paint. That that can't happen. Defensively, you're going to take a huge loss with Marek at the five. And Syracuse actually outscored UConn in that final stretch, but it didn't look pretty. And they, they went to it a little bit in the first half, too. And Syracuse, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but from what I remember, they were definitely outscored during that final stretch in that first half. Yeah, the foul trouble is a real issue, and a lot, you just mentioned it, I just think because of how talented the upper echelon of the ACC teams all have strong rebounding presences down low and come conference play, you just can't have that, especially because Chuku is by far your tallest guy, and and you know that when he's out there, your defense just has a completely different look to it, even just from an intimidating factor in the zone, so he's got to watch that foul trouble going forward for sure. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Coming up, we'll take a look at the road ahead for Syracuse basketball for the remainder of the non-conference schedule. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard till 10 o'clock with you today. And Syracuse taking on Colgate later on. That's 
shouldn't be much of a challenge for Syracuse if it was anything like the women's game the other day. What was yeah. it, like 79-39? to 39? Yeah, just a 40-point blowout. Jim which... Beheim hoping he gets the same today. I mean, that'd be really nice. Just one game you don't have to worry about. You don't want this to turn into St. John's from last year. So <laughs> Syracuse hoping to avoid that fate. You can follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz for updates throughout the game and get the latest scoops and analysis from what's going on inside the Dome. Now, let's take a look at what Syracuse is doing moving forward for the rest of the non-conference, because I think you and I are in agreement with this. Last season, the non-conference was what kept Syracuse out of the tournament, whether you want to evaluate, oh, the big wins, the bad losses, but the bad losses came, for the most part, in the non-conference slate. I mean, yes, there was the bad Boston College loss out of the gate, but... After that, quite frankly, Syracuse wasn't terrible in ACC last year. They were just awful in non-conference play last year. That was a complete other beast. But um, anytime they played someone that was like even like a power six team, they lost last year in non-conference, including that St. John's game, which obviously was rock bottom. One of the worst losses in Syracuse history. Anyways, let's look ahead at what the schedule shows so far. So you got Colgate today should be an easy win. It's not too tough. I mean, people criticize Jim Beheim not scheduling a super tough non-conference. I think last year kind of shows you why. Yeah. But you you lost to Kansas. Fine. That's what everyone expected. You beat Maryland and UConn and Toledo and Oakland. Those were the games that people were maybe a little afraid of. Because right. Because th- those were teams that hey, you, you could put upset alerts on. Or Well, the Maryland game, maybe not an upset, but um, the, the other ones... Maybe you could put on on upset watch. Yeah, they've and done, I'd say, just about as good as anyone could have hoped for so far this oh yeah, season. This is, because you're not going to win that Kansas game. I mean, I know Mike Hopkins in Washington beat Kansas just the other yeah, day. Yeah, how about that? Which was pretty big. <laughs> that hurts a little bit for Syracuse fans, but good for Mike Hopkins. I was at Kansas, or it was like the Jayhawks shootout Basically, or something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah, it was in Kansas City, so like mm-hmm. they're home away from home. Right, so yeah, rock chalk all over in that arena. But congrats to Hop, by the way. Yeah. That's that's awesome for him. I I, I mean, if anyone great. deserves that, it's him. Yeah, good for him. And I think he's just proving that he will be a great head coach someday, whether he ever returns to Syracuse. I or think what. he does, by the way. Yeah, I kind of think do he too, does. I'm feeling it. We'll have to wait and see. Um. Anyways, let's look ahead. So, I think so far, record wise, seven and one, a plus. Yeah. You can't give it another grade. And also the way they're beating some of these teams. I thought the Oakland game, as you mentioned, had upset written all over it. And to win that game by 24. And then Toledo, you didn't have Tyus Battle. You still really took care of business. And those are two teams that could make the tournament. Iona, also a team that's been in the tournament the past Mm -hmm. couple years. Maryland probably going to the tournament once again, even though they've got some not-so-great losses right. so far. I think the big thing is they haven't proven that they've gotten a road win yet, but they also haven't really been tested on the road with the exception of Kansas, which was neutral site. So UConn also neutral yeah, site, too. So they, we'll see. Yeah, this and, Georgetown game yeah. coming up is their first true road test, and that'll be big because last year that was part of the problem, and what was the glaring hole in their resume is they just didn't have really any road wins. Yeah, so you got a chance on next Saturday against Georgetown. That should be a fun one. You get Patrick Ewing for the first time. Now, this Georgetown team is just an abomination. It's a disgrace what what, uh, Patrick Ewing has done to this team so far. You pull out of the PK-80, you're you're missing out on playing some of the best teams in college basketball, the Dukes, the Carolinas, Michigan States. You got replaced by DePaul. 
Oh, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. That you're gonna back out like that. That's a soft move. Yeah, people want to make fun of Jim Beheim for light schedules. This schedule is one of the worst. You got it up in front of you. Read yes. it off. It's awful. Starts with Jacksonville, Mount St. Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore. By the way, these are all at home. Mount St. Mary's, isn't that where like LeBron went to high school or something? <laughs> yeah, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Yeah. 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 So those are pretty much three high school teams. And then you go at Richmond. That's their only road game. Big test down there in Richmond against the Spiders, which, by the way, they only won by six points. So. <laughs> Not that impressive. <laughs> Not impressive for Patty Ewing. You'd so think far. after that point, okay, it'll heat up, but no, they passed out on the PKX, and now they go to Maine at home, and then Copen State, and then they'll play Harvard and North Carolina A and T before they go to Syracuse. So they'll be undefeated probably, and they've already gotten some votes in the polls. But that's just that's garbage. a disgrace. I saw a lot of people on Twitter. I think it was Sam Vicini on Twitter who really just ripped into saying, like, how could anyone in the media vote for them? Now, Syracuse is actually getting a lot of love in this, uh, in the coaches' they've poll. actually played people. They've played people. Yeah. They're up to 13 votes. After losing to Kansas by, what, what did they lose by? 16. 16. They, so they lose to Kansas, and then their votes more than double in the coaches' poll week to week. Right, because, I mean, that was a pretty strong performance. I know it looks kind of bad now. At that, least for a half it was. Yeah, yeah, now that Mike Hopkins beat Kansas, obviously, but they were in that game, and they showed a lot of fight in the second half. They obviously got down really big early in that second half when Devontae Graham went off, but the way Tyus and the rest of the team rallied back was impressive to me. So Georgetown with four votes in the AP poll, getting no love in the coaches' poll. I think the coaches' poll always a little more truthful to how yeah. good these teams are, but the AP poll, the one that matters. Georgetown with four, so that means either one person has them as high as 21 or as low as four people putting them in at 25. So someone out there thinks yeah. this is a 21 to 25 team. Which is garbage. And that, Sy- yeah. But at the same time, you look at it this way, if Syracuse beats Georgetown, they're going to get some votes in that AP poll. Yeah, that's I don't, for sure. What do you think? You think Georgetown will be favored in that game because they're at home? Probably at home. Georgetown will get like four or five points. Yeah. Maybe three. But I, I think Syracuse goes in thinking they're going to win that game, and I think they're the better team. I know it's hard to say at this point in the season, and Georgetown really hasn't played anyone, so in one hand it's tough to indicate Was just— Was it no wins over a top 250 RPI or yeah, something like that? that's— that's impressive. That's like that's tough to do, really. We're we're almost two months into the season, and you still don't have a top two fifty win. That's pretty incredible. Anyways, let's look ahead. So we've we've hit on Georgetown right there. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score twelve sixty. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. After Georgetown, you have Buffalo. Should be an easy win yep. at home. Then you have Saint Bonaventure. Now this is a this is an interesting one. This might be your trap game for the remainder of this non-conference slate. Yeah, St. Bonaventure beat Maryland. Yeah, Yeah. beat Maryland. And this could be a solid Bonnie's team. Definitely has tourney potential on it as well. You've got some great scorers on that team. Matt Mobley averaging over 20 points a game. Jalen Adams, not the UConn Jalen Adams, but the Bonnies also have one themselves. Yeah. He's pretty good as well. So. The Bonnies, what a great name. It just <laughs> sounds like a team that's going to be a 13 seed this year and just have a Cinderella story or something. They in could March shock Madness. someone. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then you wrap it all up with Eastern Michigan. But we'll hit on this a little more in Fizz Feedback, but there is certainly potential to, to run the table for the remainder of this non-conference slate. 12-1, and one, you'll take that. Then you need eight-ish wins. Yeah. In ACC play. And you, you brought up the ACC schedule, and 
we're, we're both, or at least I was saying, yeah, this looks pretty tough, but then you brought up a pretty good point about the schedule. Yeah, and you look at these teams that you're playing twice, and it's very fortunate for Syracuse. You've got Boston College, who's not that great. They're a little improved this year, but still Boston College. And then Wake Forest twice, also is going to be in the bottom of the ACC. And then Pittsburgh, who they normally play twice and normally give Syracuse fits, but this year Pittsburgh might be the worst team. Yeah, they're probably the worst team. You look at the standings right now, Georgia Tech's at 4-4, and but I don't think that's a a good indicator of how good that team really is. They're going to get Josh Okoge back and some other players too after all the recruiting, whatever you want to call it, sham. Yeah. (laughs) Josh Pastner's a shady dude, but... I think that, yeah, when it's all said and done, you play the three teams that are going to finish in the bottom three slots of the yeah. ACC twice. Yeah. That should be six wins, five at worst. Yeah. If you're really a tournament team, that's what it's going to be. And you've got to take care of business against those teams, and that's where you can pick off some road wins that they didn't get last year because there are some, I mean, it's the ACC. There's also some really tough games like at Duke, home against North Carolina, and at Louisville, so... There's going to be some games where you're going to be heavy underdogs going in, but the fact that they have those three teams that they play twice, that's a great draw for Syracuse. Yeah, but that don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that the ACC is not going to be tough this no. year. Because, I mean, look what Florida State did the other day. They, they take down Florida, and everyone kind of thought that, oh, Florida State's going to drop off a little yeah, bit this legit. year because they lost a lot of guys to the draft. But they're still cranking away down there in Tallahassee, so... That's a team you got to be afraid and of Miami's as well. Really Miami's good, good as well. Like you mentioned, Notre Dame, they did lose to Ball State. So this is a vulnerable conference, but at the same time, super strong. Super strong. Duke's the best team in the country. Yeah. Duke and they're just... showing it right now. 11 0. So the ACC is going to be a gauntlet. That's going to be tough for Syracuse. But you're going to need to pull off a big win if you want to get into the tournament. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities. So you're hoping for Syracuse that by the virtue of volume, of games that you're going to play against top 25 opponents that you're going to steal two, three this year. Yeah, and I going back to the non-conference schedule, I think this Georgetown game is especially big. I think this is really kind of the set-the-tone type of game. Like I said, you have to win games on the road to get into the tournament. This is their first true road test, and obviously igniting the old rivalry, and Patrick Ewing will be coaching in the first year. So I think there's a little more to it this year than normal, and I just think if SU is really a team that's better than advertised or a team that's going to finish maybe 7th or 6th in the ACC instead of their preseason 10th projection, then you beat Georgetown on the road in that game and you win by 6 or 7 points and prove that you're the better team. I'm looking forward to that Jim Beheim, patrick Ewing, like first encounter. Yeah, that's crazy that he's What's going to happen there? What do you think? I don't know. I, I think it's just weird because Beheim's coached against Ewing. Like that's how long Beheim's yeah. been there, obviously. So I think Ewing will it'll work out, but it is kind of pathetic how they how they've managed <laughs> this non conference schedule. All right, coming up next, let's get into a little bit of the statistics, the number stuff. Syracuse's guy is really thriving so far early on in, in the numbers categories. We'll tell you which ones are sustainable and which ones aren't. That's coming up on Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Back on Fizz Radio, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. We've talked the non-conference schedule for Syracuse, recap the UConn game. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty of the numbers here. We've got a couple of interesting figures so far. 
the Syracuse's guys have been pretty good statistically yeah. so far. You look top to bottom, a lot of guys leading in a lot of categories or at least sitting in the top five. So we're going to play this little game, in or out of the top five. Very creative right? name. I yeah, like it. I think you came <laughs> up with that. Anyways, so I'm going to throw out a name. I'm going to throw out where they sit right now in the ACC rankings, and you're going to tell me are they going to finish the season inside or outside of the top five. All right. First one, Tyus Battle, currently sitting second in the ACC and scoring only behind Marvin Bagley. I think he finishes inside, inside the top five, you're saying? Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think for sure, and I don't see any reason why he'll slow down, especially because... He's been battling an injury right. too. And I was going to bring that up. Yeah, he. I mean, he he's sat, not one hundred percent. He sat still. down at one of the uh, post games. I think it was a couple Kansas, of weeks ago, yeah. Kansas, and you could tell he grimaced a little bit. I think we tweeted that out, but mm-hmm. that's Fizz. definitely at Orange Fizz. Yeah. You can find us. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely been a factor so far. So I don't see any reason why he'd slow down, and he's shooting the ball efficiently. I think his mid range game is up there with anyone in the entire country right now, and. If you were picking an ACC all-first team right now, you just have to put him in one of the guard spots for sure. I know he said that he might have had some dead legs on that dunk. I think it's the back. (laughs) The dunk against UConn that he missed, oh, I think it's the back. Uh, He should get a little healthier, though. You got more days off. You don't have any tournaments to really worry about, but you got a full week between Colgate and Georgetown. That Colgate game coming up. Later on today at 2 o'clock, so be sure to lock into our Twitter account for analysis for that at Orange Fizz. All right, so you think Battle's in. I'm going to agree with you there. I think he's also in. Next up, Frank Howard sitting at third in assists right now in the ACC, inside or outside. That might be the most mind-boggling statistic of of all of these. I I think he's going to finish outside just because once he gets to ACC play, we've seen Frank do it against weaker opponents and we did see some progress in that Kansas game. I think he looked pretty good, but he wasn't that great against UConn. So I think I'm I'm not ready to go all in on him just yet. I haven't seen it against the ACC competition. So I think he'll finish slightly outside the top five. He's still going to put up good assist numbers, but it's going to fall back a little bit. I'm going to say outside, but for a different reason. I think because Geno Thorpe's gone now, and not that Thorpe was some super scorer, But Frank's going to realize, I need a score if I want to stay in the game because Howard Washington probably can do a lot of the same things that Frank did. If you, I went back and watched that Kansas game. You watch when Howard Washington's on the floor. Devontae Graham's not scoring. Yeah, he's a good defender. He really is. He's very good. He understands the defense. He's, He's quick. He's on his feet. He knows what to do. He's always got those arms up. I think that... He's going to be outside the top five, but it's going to be because he's going to take on more of a scoring load, and we'll see if he can actually live up to that billing. Next up, we've got O'Shea Brissett. He's currently fourth in rebounding at 9.8. Is that sustainable inside or outside the top five? I think it's sustainable. I mean, you touched on it earlier, his height. I mean, that's not going away. He's just getting these rebounds just because of sheer athleticism and just the way he's pulling these down. It's really impressive. I think he's... By far the best rebounder on the team. The stats prove that, and he might even increase that number and by the end of the year finish with a double-double average. I'm right there with you. I'm going inside as well. I think he'll sit right at fifth. Yeah, it's going to be close. 9.8 is pretty healthy through these first couple of games. And I mean, Marvin Bagley is unbelievable on the glass, and he's currently the leader in the ACC. But, I mean, the fact that you got a guy like O'Shea Brissett going toe-to-toe with guys like Luke May at UNC, Bagley at at Duke. I mean, these are impressive numbers for a freshman, and 
I think you've got it so far. You're just hoping he doesn't hit that wall. Yeah, And that might come by ACC play, but that's really the only thing that's concerning me right now. Will he hit that kind of freshman wall, especially when he faces guys who are bigger, faster, stronger? But O'Shea holding his own so far, and it's been pretty impressive. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard were playing inside or outside the top five. I'm throwing out names and stats. You're going to tell me if they're inside or outside the top five in ACC play by the end of the season. All right. Now let's get into some more team-centric ones. Syracuse has been unbelievable on the boards. Eighth in the entire country in terms of total rebounds. But the more important statistic here rebounding margin and this is in the entire country SU currently fourth at 12.4 I just would have never guessed that at the beginning of the year and I know they have Chukwu and they have Sidibe and obviously Brissett with a guy like Howard too where he's bigger at the guard yeah it's just but compared to what they were last year I think they were 225th last year when it was all said and done in rebounds and that's a huge difference because in ACC play last year, it just felt like that was always their Achilles heel. And going against the UNCs and the Dukes, I just I felt like every time I was watching that UNC game, you'd look, look in another offensive rebound from the heels and another easy second-chance bucket. So obviously those numbers might go down a little bit. I'm going to say they finish inside the top five in the ACC, but they probably fall outside of you know nationally inside the top ten or roughly where they are right now. It's going to fall back a little bit, but... This is one of the best rebounding teams Syracuse has had in a while, and it's surprising, but I think it's going to stick. I don't, and here's why. I think it's going to be because Barama Sidibe's injuries. That That yeah. is just so much so early. You're going to have to ask a lot out of Pascal Chuku. These guys are going to be dog-tired by the time that's conference true. play comes around. So that's alarming to me, and that's why I'm going to say they're outside the top five. Last one's a little bit of an inverse one. So. Alrighty. Syracuse has been dreadful from deep this yeah, year so really far. bad. 337th in the country in three-point percentage. Not going to get it done. That's the worst in the ACC. I didn't even know there were 337 yeah. teams in the country. Right. Um, but will Syracuse finish inside? We'll say, will they be outside of the bottom five of three-point shooting teams in the ACC by the end of the season? I don't think so. I mean, I just don't see where they're going to get the production. This is where Geno Thorpe could have really helped out off the bench. I think he would have found his shot a little bit. He struggled in the limited time he got, but unless Matt Moyer starts chucking threes like we saw in that UConn game, and that just becomes a consistent thing, I don't see where they're going to get it because right now it's basically just Tyus Battle. Frank Howard's going to hit a three every once in a while. Howard Washington's a pretty good shooter, and I think Howard Washington's going to surprise some people in ACC play, and once he gets his feet wet more, but you're not going to see Mark hit a three. You're not going to see, I guess O'Shea will hit a three every once in a while, but they just don't have enough shooters on the team. I'm going to say they're going to, they're going to get it together because I don't think O'Shea Brissett's as bad of a three point shooter as he's shown so far right now, 23%, but I think he, he can get that up to 32. Yeah. He he could get a, about a 10 point raise, I think. Right. Because I think it's just it's kind of mental now. He's going to work on that shot. He's going to get it down. The dome stuff is going to stop phasing him. Tyus Battle's been pretty good from three. Howard, I think, is just going to continue to get better. And now we're going to see more Howard Washington. I mean, this isn't a team that's going to shoot a lot of threes. They haven't been good. They've been under 25% the last four games. 
I just think it's going to kick into gear once ACC play comes because they're going to realize we have to make these shots. And they're going to take better threes, too, because when Howard Washington's in the game, I think his driving ability is unprecedented, and no one else on the team really has that kind of ability to get to the rim like he does, and that'll just open up the floor for some open threes. It seems like they get the clutch three when they need it. Yeah, it sounds like you're really all in on the the Howard Washington hype train. Oh, yes. An early passenger. I'm big. I'm big on Howard Washington. I am, too. I'm sure uh, we'll get some angry people on Twitter saying how he hasn't performed so far, but... Just watch. He'll he'll get into it. I think I'm very high on Howard Washington. I'm higher on Washington, I think, than I am on Frank Howard. Coming up next, we'll wrap it all up. Fizz feedback around the corner. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. All right, let's wrap it up here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard with you until the end of the hour. Syracuse and Colgate coming up at 2, so be sure to follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz, and we'll get you all the latest updates and analysis from that one. All right, Fizz feedback time, and we haven't really discussed this much. We've hinted at it throughout, but the big story kind of over these past couple weeks is Geno Thorpe with an unexpected departure from the team, cites personal reasons. There's been some reports it's playing time. It's uh, the ankle injury not healing how we would like it to as well. So Geno Thorpe gone. That puts Syracuse down to eight active scholarship players, nine if you include Elijah Hughes, but he can't play this year. So our first Fizz feedback question, how will Geno Thorpe's absence affect Syracuse? Right now the leader in the clubhouse is it hurts, but not much. Next is won't affect it at all. And then it goes addition by subtraction. (laughs) And then finally, extremely detrimental. I think think, uh, the fans got it right. Yeah, I would agree. Hurts, but not much. I kind of fall between hurts, but not much, and extremely detrimental. I do, too. Yeah, and I I think it's because he he never really got into his groove. I think he's a much better player than— He wasn't healthy, too. Yeah, he came in, he wasn't healthy, he was pressing, kind of like we talked about. He just knew that he had had something to prove, and he never really got off to the start that he needed to and never got his confidence right away, and— it would have been nice to have him for a couple reasons, but we touched on the three-point shooting. That's one of their weakest areas right now, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. So he could have helped out in that. He's a good shooter. He didn't really prove that, but I think he would have gotten better in that department. And then also, he's kind of a veteran guy, and they don't have much veteran presence. Really, Tyus Battles, the leader of this team as a sophomore. So I No think, true seniors. He yeah, was the only one. I think coming into the season, you looked at Geno Thorpe, and a lot of people were thinking, as was myself, that he'd probably slide into a starting role, and maybe they'd do a three-guard lineup just because he's a veteran, he can score the basketball, they need that, and he can shoot the three, and they need that also. So I think he was going to get better, and when it's all said and done, they're going to miss his what would have been better three-point shooting and what he would have provided in ACC play. And honestly... He's just a body, man. Yeah. Like, you need <laughs> those true. at this point. You you need nine guys come ACC play. They've got three guards. That's it. Three guards. Yeah. You got one that can come off the bench and you don't play them so yeah. far. That's what Jim Beheim's done so far. So Howard Washington's going to have to step up and step up quick. I'm high on him. I think you like him as well, but he hasn't gotten the opportunity so far, and that's going to have to change very quickly, especially once Syracuse gets into conference play. Next one, we hit on this a little bit earlier in the show, but 
How will Syracuse finish out in non-conference play? Your four options, 12-1, 11-2, 10-3, or 9-4 and four or worse. I think this just comes down to, do you think they're going to win that Georgetown game? St. Bonaventure has some potential of an upset, but in the Dome, that would really be a real true shocker, I think. So I'm going to say they finished 12-1, which is crazy. I would have never guessed that at the start of the season, but the way they're playing right now, I think they're only going to get better. I think this young team's just building more chemistry as we progress, and just because Georgetown's not all that good, I think they take care of business and win that game on the road. I just feel like there's not a lot of pressure on this team, and now it almost feels like that's completely changed. And by the way, the the viewers, this is what we've got so far: forty percent split at twelve and one and eleven and two. Then you got ten and three and nine and four. I don't think there's any chance they go nine and no. four or worse. But That'd be catastrophic. Seven percent of you out there think that's going to happen. I don't. Twelve and one, eleven and two. Yeah, I think you look at if we were going to play the eleven and two game, who is the loss? I think you're right, Georgetown, because it's on the road. And don't get me wrong, the Bonnies isn't a terrible loss, but it'd feel like a kick in the nuts. Uh, it really would. <laughs> yeah. And, it'd yeah. feel like St. John's all to, over again. To kind of put a parallel on the Syracuse football season, when you had that final three-game stretch and you needed two wins to go to a bowl, and it looked like you could get two, losing to the Bonnies would have been like losing to Louisville or where like you kind of saw it coming but like man you really would have wanted that win right or the second half of Wake Forest yeah. too yeah i mean you need that Bonnies win to really solidify yourself and give yourself some leeway come selection time in March for the tournament because that that's going to look like a good win but at the same time it could look like a semi bad loss yeah for sure i think I think they're definitely an underrated team. They beat Maryland, as we touched on. So they've got some talent, and they shoot the three pretty well. Syracuse has been kind of so-so defending the three. They did pretty good against Kansas, or excuse me, bad against Kansas. I guess that was just really Devontae Graham, though. Outside of Devontae Graham, they were relatively okay, considering how talented it is. Kansas is a team shooting from deep, so... I think that St. Bonnie's game has got the the upset spoiler, and then the Georgetown game, they'll probably be two or three-point underdogs in that one, but I'd really like to see them win that. I think they're the better team. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard doing some Fizz feedback. We put questions out on our Twitter, at Orange Fizz, and we take your responses and talk about them right here. So we've hit on two already. Here's the last one I threw out this week. Whose success is more important to Syracuse moving forward? Is it Mark Dolajai, Matthew Moyer, or Barama Sidibe? The viewers say 54% in favor of Moyer. Then it goes Sidibe at 35% and Dolajai at 11 Do you agree with that? I, I can see why the viewers are leaning with Moyer, just because his play in that UConn game really showed that when he's playing well, the team's a little bit different. It almost feels like a recency bias yeah, type of thing. Yeah, I, I think it's Barama Sidibe, who's getting about 35% of the vote in, in second right now, and it's because we touched on this, the foul trouble is a real issue, and Pascal Chuku getting in foul trouble, they need Sidibe to anchor that zone to be a presence down low. They've been getting a lot of rebounds. All the things that Syracuse has been doing well has been partially because of Sidibe. So he's a guy that you'd really like to see continue to be out on the floor, even just because of the injury problem. I'm worried about that, especially the knee thing, because 
it's a lingering thing that Syracuse knew coming in that he had, and I don't see any reason why it won't go away. And it's really concerning just for his future. I think the key thing is Barama Sidibe is is the most important player for them going forward just because if he's out there, it's another body. That's one thing. He also is brings rebounding presence that no one else can on the team, especially off the bench. So he's critical going forward. You just got to keep him healthy. I mean, Sidibe, he blocks, he shoots, he rebounds. But By the way, did you see the article on him in the Daily Orange this week? What a find by Matthew Gutierrez. Hat yeah. tip to you. Matthew that Gutierrez was a great about how he catches pigeons, <laughs> and that's kind of how, why he's such a good shot blocker. Uh, unbelievable! That's stuff. great journalism, right yeah. there. Yeah, so, <laughs> big J stuff. Yeah, great, great stuff by um, by Matt Gutierrez. There, go check him out if you haven't already on the Daily Orange. He always has some great stuff. All right, that's gonna do it for us here on Fizz Radio for Tim Leonard. I'm Tyler Rocky. Syracuse and Colgate. Coming up at 2 o'clock, follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz for updates throughout. Enjoy the game, Syracuse.